Hey everyone and welcome to 121 in Flux, I am Peter, that is Connor and this is our show where we talk about movies, usually older movies, stuff from the past, stuff we just want to talk about, stuff we rewatch, stuff we've seen for the first time. This is a bit of a mix this episode because this is a movie that I love and have seen multiple times and this was like, I don't know what number of rewatches I'm on at this point. And this is a movie that Connor has never seen before, uh, barring some little bits that I'm sure he'll explain in a minute. Yeah. And this is Unbreakable. This is the M. Night Shyamalan film from 2000. This is his answer to superhero movies. And it is a movie that, uh, like I say, I love. It's one that I didn't necessarily love the first time I saw it because I was a kid. I was young. And I think it's not a movie for kids. It doesn't... No, it's too slow. It's not. Yeah, it's not an action movie by any means. But it's one that, as I, I grew up with and I watched it when I was in my teens, I really grew to appreciate it. And... Uh, so we're going to talk about this, and we will start relatively spoiler-free. I think we'll we'll do a little bit of spoiler-free stuff before we get into specifics. Uh, not not for long, I don't think. I think at this point we're we're better just going into details. But we will start a little bit spoiler-free to give some general thoughts, especially since Connor's not seen it before this time, so he can say what he thought of it without going into too much. So, uh, well, clearly you know what I think of it. Uh, in, in a very broad stroke, so right. I, su- right. I suppose we'll pass it over to Connor and he can tell us what he thinks of it. I'm torn. I liked it a lot, but my own preconceptions, I feel, have left me underwhelmed. Obviously, expectations are high. I've heard so much about this movie over the years because mm-hmm. everyone has. So I was. And then combined with the fact that in some lectures in the past, I have seen a handful of scenes, including the final scene. However, I did not fully remember the final scene, which made the experience worse. Because it turns out, I thought, okay, I don't really remember. I remember what it was. I remember them talking. You know, like, like I remember the setup. But I, I was like, I don't really remember the specifics. So I thought I didn't remember the twist. But it turns out I did. And I spent the whole movie with that in my head, knowing it anyway. And was expecting another twist. I was expecting something more. And it was just that. And I was like, oh, okay, it's just that. Okay, so I'm that, just, like, I'm fighting with my cat because he's trying to hit yeah. Mike. Uh, <laughs> so that actually left me a little underwhelmed because of that. But that's that's my own fault. I know that, but I can't change how I feel about that either. It's, yeah, it's all on you. It's funny you say that though, because I don't think the, I don't think the the twist, as you're calling it, is like I, I get that th- expecting another twist is maybe what maybe, <laughs> maybe would cause harm. But I feel like knowing. The end of this movie, it doesn't actually necessarily... Well, no, it doesn't, and that's the thing. Because it is so telegraphed anyway, I feel like it's it's kind of obvious for most of the film, if I'm honest. Maybe not the specifics, but the broad strokes of it. Hmm. I feel like it was so obvious and telegraphed, that's why I was assuming that, there was a, that I hadn't remembered the twist and that there was something else. And that's what left me felt left down in that regard there. Which is funny, because I remember when this came out, everyone was kind of critical of it, and people thought, oh, after The Sixth Sense, he did this. That had a great twist, and then this twist wasn't as good. And I think it's the sort of thing where, over time, people have realised, oh, the twist of this one is not the the core point that it, it was in Sixth Sense. Yeah. And people, I think a lot of people over the years have actually come to think this is the better film, and I would include myself in that. I think Unbreakable is his best film. I think this is M. Night Shyamalan's best, and I... 
I will go on to explain why uh, in great detail once we start sort of working through the, mm. the, the details. Like I say, there is a lot of stuff I like. Oh, we'll, we'll get to that when we talk about the details, mm. of course. And overall, I do think it is very good. I feel like at some point I need to give it like a, a year or so and, and rewatch it knowing what it is now and not let my own expectations get in the way. Well, as I just said, I actually, I, I, I think I like it every time I see it more. Mm. I think I think it plays very well in repeat viewings because everything is very neatly set up. Everything's indicated in the filmmaking at various points. Yeah, uh, and it it serves as this deconstruction of what a, a superhero origin is, and a very and the the big reason why I like this uh, before we even get into details is, and this is something that Sixth Sense to an extent does. It's something that Signs to an extent does as well. But it takes this fantastical idea, the idea of a superhero, the idea of someone who has a power. In this mm. case, it's just being invulnerable, uh, and also his instinct stuff. But yeah, pretty pretty straightforward. But it takes this idea of someone having a power. And it plays it completely straight in a very sort of grounded world where it takes it seriously. Not not to the point of uh, ridiculousness, but it takes it very seriously enough that it doesn't feel like it's ever trying to be hokey. It just plays it straight. And it feels really unique in that. It's why I think you could only do this with an original character. You couldn't take... No, you couldn't. A, ...an actual comic book character and do this with them. You'd have no. to do it so in ver- your own and, character. And, uh... That's something else I was going to say. Obviously, I said, oh, I thought the twist was very obviously telegraphed. Mm. I don't know if that's just because of me being so aware of comic tropes in general and being in tune with that. that I'm I'm more aware of them. Because I don't remember it being as obvious when I first saw it. But then it said, and then again, I was like 11. Yeah. (laughs) So it may have just been my age. I may not have been as, you know... There are, there are a lot of things that I think maybe I'm only getting because I'm so aware of comics. Yeah, and... we're both comic book readers. We, we, both, yeah. we both watch a lot of superhero stuff. We both read a lot of superhero stuff. So a lot of the stuff that it's playing on is stuff we're very familiar with at this point, especially now in our lives. I don't think I was it when I first saw it. When oh, I first yeah. saw it, this was, this was before there was ever a Nolan Batman movie. This was before there was ever any of that. And that was the stuff that inspired me to go read comic books and delve into that side of the stuff. But... Uh, but no, so yeah, if you if you haven't got it, and I'll just, just quick idea of what the pl- the plot is. Then, so Bruce Willis plays David Dunn, who is on a train at the start of the movie, and train crashes. Everyone dies but him, but he doesn't even have a scratch. He doesn't have a broken bone. He is miraculously unharmed. Is the exact phrasing that Samuel Jackson's character Elijah puts when he seeks him out to try and tell him his theory that because he has this medical condition where his bones are very easy to break because he's, he's, uh, his body doesn't produce a certain protein that it's supposed yeah. to, and because of that his bones break. He thought, well, is there someone at the other end of the spectrum that is invulnerable and their bones don't break? And that's yeah. what he sort of And And that's for. something that plays into the, the grounded realism because obviously uh, the condition that Elijah has is real. Yeah, yeah, it's not a made-up thing. Which makes uh, the other one seem more plausible because of the way he explains it as a spectrum, yeah. it makes it seem like, okay, sure. Do you know what I like about it, though? Do you know what I really like? is I like that every character is grounded, except Elijah, to an extent, is the only one who starts saying things that sound fantastical, but it makes sense coming from him for lots of reasons, from yeah. his character. And he is the only one who starts saying things like, oh, maybe you've never been sick, and maybe you can do this. Mm. And you know, and you feel the scepticism, and it works that Bruce Willis's character, David Dunn, is just as sceptical as the audience might be. 
Because when he starts talking about, oh, if you try to develop your instinct skills, you know, uh, characters in comics often have powers, invisibility, flight, x-ray vision, and, like, David Dunn kind of, like, gives him this look. (laughs) And I was like, that's exactly what the audience are thinking. And he's like, maybe it's based on something as simple as instinct. And you're like, ah, I like it. You're just, Mm. you're, you're boiling it down to something really simple that's, we can understand, not as a superpower, but just as something that people kind of accept that they kind of have. Yeah. You talk about, you know, cops say they have instincts based on stuff. Yeah, and... everyone has a, a, a gut reaction to things. Yeah. That, that, that's just an instinct. So it's basically taking that idea and saying that he's more adept with it and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's, uh, let's just give a spoiler warning here. I want to start really delving okay. into stuff. Uh, because I, I want to talk about a lot of great things that I've, I've noticed over the year. But interestingly, this is the first time I've watched it in maybe like four or five years, but it's been a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh Certainly, the fact that the Doctor who's talking to Bruce Willis is played by Michael Kelly, I never realised <laughs> until now. And I think it's because I didn't really know who he was last time I watched it. I think yeah. since then I've watched a couple of seasons of House of Cards. He was in... He's been co- around, hasn't he? He's been a few things recently. He was in an episode of Black Mirror last year. He's got hair in this, though. This was before he completely went bald at the top. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that was what threw me. It was his voice that made me recognise him. Yeah, and then he, t- he turns around at one point, and I'm like, oh, it's him, it is Michael Kelly. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. It's really cool that someone was popping up. Uh, but let's talk about that moment. I think right away you've got some great filmmaking in that scene. Yeah. It starts off, and you can see this like this patient in the foreground, the only other survivor, who, as the doctor explains, is you know probably not going to be alive much longer, because yeah. he was crushed in half his face and all the rest of it. And the camera's sort of going in, and the thing's out of focus. We're focused, obviously, on Bruce Willis and the Doctor, but you just see the blood soaking on the sheet. That the, the, it's just like at his chest as well. You don't see yeah. like a face, you don't see a full body, you just kind of see the top bit. Yeah, and it's just as Bruce Willis has been told all this stuff, and it, it, it just it, it completely goes along with the pacing of the scene where Bruce Willis has been told all this extreme stuff, and it's like, whoa, what? And it's it's just visually represented on screen with this red. It's one one of the things the film does very well, especially in the uh, the instinct sort of flashbacks. Yeah, the color muted and yeah, so highlighting where, certain ones. Where, whereas everything's yeah muted and kind of almost black and white, but you'll have one thing that's popping. Yeah, it's very. Common, it kind of also plays with the combo here with the the color schemes. Like he has a lot of greens. Yeah, uh, Samuel Jackson has a lot of purples. There's a yeah. villain later on as as the Orange Man. That's how he's referred to in the script. Yeah, uh, is the Orange Man. Uh, so it plays with colours and that that's really cool. Even before that, on the train, there's a, this great thing where Bruce Willis looks at a little girl who's mm. in the seat in front of him, right? And he sort of smells at her and it's like, it's just this innocent little moment of humanity and you kind of like, oh, he seems like an okay guy. And then the scene plays out and this woman sitting next to him and you see him hide his wedding ring and he's, he's kind of trying to make awkward small talk and it's very it's intentionally very awkward. Yeah. But the entire scene, after it cuts back to him from the little girl, it's all told in one shot that follows back and forth the scene, as if it's her watching the yeah, event. Play and it's out. from between the seats. Yeah, like you, you, that's what makes it work. Yeah, it really, really works. And at the end of the scene, after the woman leaves, Bruce Willis looks back at the little girl, and it cuts to the little girl again. This is when the shot finally breaks, and she looks just disappointed. At him. <laughs> she's yeah. judging him, and again, she's like the audience. But it also neatly makes you feel something for the passengers on the train because we at least know one other character. Yeah. Who not that we don't sympathise with the woman that he was trying to hit on, who ended up being married. Uh, but that scene also teases a lot of cool stuff because she mentions the football and she's oh she's here to uh, yeah. represent Scout. a new a new yeah. football player who's like in college or whatever, and he's like oh, I don't really like football and I, I, this is one of the things that I think works so well in our repeat repeat viewing the way he plays that line the way Willis mm. responds to that question and he lies and says nah I don't really care about football 
it there plays was also so good on a repeat viewing. Yeah, it also talks about how um, he's like, "Oh, you're looking for a new what was it? Synchronized diver." He's <laughs> like, oh, I don't, I don't like water. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's a it's a fun way to bring that information in where he cracks yeah. a little joke. And it's right at the start as well, so it's in your you're aware of it the entire film. Yeah, it's so that when they bring up the whole drowning thing later, yeah. it's not immediately just out of nowhere. Like it has been mentioned, it's been established. Yeah, he he's not a fan of water. Uh, so anyway, and this is part of the reason why I love this. I think it's exp- every scene is expertly put together, and there's always like a reason behind what the camera's doing. You know, and when he comes out of the the hospital room, and he, in fact, even before we get to the hospital room, it's it's uh, before we even cut to him. After the train scene, it cuts to his son, and his son's watching TV, and he's upside down. So the camera's also upside down, yeah. and the camera's looking at the TV upside down. But then as he turns, the camera flips, and it's just nice little touches. It just everything. it does that a couple of times actually. It's when you, when you have a Samuel Jackson as a you know where his character's a kid and he gets the comic the comic book yeah and when he opens it it's upside and the camera turns around as he turns it around but then keeps turning with him yeah uh, it's funny actually because when you see a movie so many times you start to pay attention to some of the imperfections in a weird mm. way so I'm, I'm not ragging on the movie here but it's kind of when I'm not watching that scene now and he's turning the comic around I am like this is unnaturally slow how he's doing this just so the oh, camera yeah, yeah. can keep keep up it, so it can stay on it yeah. and then it then because then the camera keeps turning because it's still upside down because yeah. it's kept it upside down with us. And it's not a complaint. It's just one of those things when you watch... It's like when you go back and watch... You know, We'll be have an episode on Alien next week. When you go back and watch a movie you've seen 50 times, it's impossible not to notice little things like that and sort it's of gonna see the beauty of it. And it, it doesn't bother you. It doesn't bother See, when it's a movie I love and I start noticing little things like that after like 10 viewings, it doesn't bother me. I just sort of like, oh, I'm in on it because this was them making a movie and it's just the, the little... It's it's only an issue if you notice them the first time, and it because yeah. if you notice it the first time and it pulls you out of the movie, that's when it's a problem. Whereas now I'm just sort of I'm yeah, soaking you, all these you're, extra you're little things. Extra looking for it. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking for little things that I didn't see before, and that, it's just one of those things. But yeah, so it interests the kid. But when he comes out, and it tells us so much in this scene where there's almost there's no dialogue. I don't think David comes out no, of the room. Not. And the the kids there, and we see the crowds of all the upset people who have lost everyone that they've loved on the train, like all these loved ones of the yeah. all the all the passengers that have died. And his kid comes up and hugs him, and we already get a sense that there's something wrong with the marriage because he hides the wedding ring, and we don't know if it's just because he's a dick and he's wanting to cheat on his wife or whatever. But then in this scene, he, you know, the kid puts the hands together, and as soon as the kid turns around, the hands just sort of split away, and it tells you so much about their current situation. Just yeah. visually, and yeah, it's it just oh, it's just scene for scene. It's this is one of the reasons why it's baffling to me. Like M Night Shyamalan's last like decade and a half, and like what he's been doing, because he clearly knows how to make a movie. He, he clearly knew how to do it at one point, and then it all kind of faded away for a long time. It is like, how do you forget that? I mean, I'm happy to say Split's mostly back on form, and I really enjoyed Split. It's nice to see him, t- and I think it's because he was humbled that he kept he got all over and over his head, and he. I don't know what to go back to basics. He went back to basics, and it seems to have worked for the most part because uh, it feels like he's actually a filmmaker again, and not just whatever. I he feel was like doing. maybe he got too caught up on his reputation of oh, it's got to have a big thing, and yeah. he went tried too hard for that. Which there's a nice little meta line actually when uh, little Elijah's looking at the comic book. There was yeah. The mum's like, they say this one has a surprise ending. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I almost wanted to look at the camera and go. Director, this made the sixth sense, didn't you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but no. Uh, speaking of Elijah's scenes, I want to talk about a great motif that all of his introduction scenes start of the movie when he's been born, which is the opening scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we see him as a kid and he goes across the road to get the the book, when it then cuts to present day and we introduce him as an adult, every single one of them is a starts with a reflection. Yeah, every single one. Opening scene, it's the reflection in the changing room at the uh, the, the, the fashion store uh, from the sixties, and then it's the TV when he's in the flashback when he's a kid, and the entire scene plays out in the reflection until it's time to go across the road. Like the entire yeah. scene plays out in that one shot, and then we cut to him in present day. He's he's uh, selling a piece of comic art to this guy. It's the same from it's like the the the, the first draft of the cover that was on the comic book he got in the flashback. Yeah, uh, which was an issue of Action Comics. There was a line that stuck out to me. It was weird. I wasn't Action Comics. It was called Active Comics. Oh, was it? Yeah. The logo was thought, the logo was, was the same. It was so I just so thought it was almost action. identical. That yeah. I was like, I don't recognise this cover. I don't recognise these characters. The, the, uh, what, what's this? And then I paid real attention. I was like, that says Active, not Action. But the font's the same. so I, It is the same, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's fair. Okay, that, that negates my complaint that I was about to make then, because I was about to say, he, when he's selling the comic book, he has a line that said, oh, this was drawn before the, f- the first issue hit the stands. I'm like, wait a minute, Action Comics first came out in the 30s. What are you talking about? <laughs> and I, I was being all comic nerdy and disputing uh, that. Uh, but now that makes sense. Okay, Active Comics, that's fine. Uh, but no, what I love about that, though, is not only is it a, a repeating motif, and it fits into the whole idea of Mr. Glass... Is, yeah, yeah. is his, his entire thing but the fact is is that the, this is the first time you see him as an adult is when he's selling this comic art to this guy and it's just this nice little filmmaking trick that lets you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is the same person we've seen in these flashbacks because it's done it yeah. once twice present day third time rule of threes you did yeah. it three times uh, and it's just one of those great little things it's just so expertly put together oh it is it's very clever yeah so and we see that he's he's pissed because the guy wants to buy the art for his four year old son and he he grills he's him like, on it. Nope, not having that. Yeah, uh, and there's a lot lot all interesting things in the dialogue as well. He explains how comic artists would draw the villains and how things are accented. And yeah, and these are things that play into uh, why I was noticing the twist as well. Oh yeah, of course. Obviously, we're in full spoilers, so we can talk about the fact that he yeah. ultimately turns out to be the villain of the, yeah. the piece. Uh, and I, I think it's a, especially in a repeat viewing I think you notice a lot of things about him he's got this really weird haircut that's really different and out there yeah. the, the jacket he wears when he goes to see Bruce Willis is really like unnaturally smooth yeah it, he's got it, even it just the idea that he has this physical deformity hmm uh, and at one point at the end his mother mentions about how the villains have the bigger eyes to reflect how they have a a different view like a slightly yeah. skewed look in the world uh, and even you know Samuel Jackson the whole time he's got these wide eyes that he, he does, yeah, yeah. which part of that's just Samuel Jackson, but that's maybe why he was cast. He's, he's definitely yeah. playing it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's it's all there throughout the movie. So and this is why when people say it's not as good a twist as a Sixth Sense, I always say go back and watch the movie again. It's all there throughout the entire thing. It might not be surprising, but it's yeah. it's justified the entire time. It's well, there. yeah, that I think that's why I was disappointed with it because it is so obvious and telegraphed that i was expecting something else as well mm. and it's my again it's probably my fault for thinking i'd forgotten it but i hadn't because it was just that yeah so um, you know but no so so many uh great little uh, techniques like that used throughout um so where are we so he's got home we find it you know him and the wife aren't sleeping in the same room all that stuff uh and they're not in a great place. 
And he goes to the uh, the memorial service, which is where he gets the the note saying, "Have you ever been sick?" And what I like is that from that scene to the next scene, this is the first time we see him at his job. It cuts to from when he gets the note, it cuts to him at work, and he's he's in his locker, he's putting on his hat and shutting up because he's his security guard at the uh, the football stadium. And what I like is we get this note from Elijah, and then the next scene with David. He's looking at his reflection in the mirror again. It's yeah. that little connection there. It's just the, the, as soon as Elijah has been introduced in a small way into his life, there's a, the motif of the mirror and glass enters yeah. into his life too, and it's just a nice little thing. Uh, so he asks his boss how many sick days have I taken. He he gets wielded out when he finds out that he'd never has taken a sick day. So he asks his wife at night, like, "When was the last time I've ever been sick?" And she's like, "I can't remember." Yeah. Uh, and what I like about this is some people criticise them and say, wouldn't you, wouldn't you notice that you've never been sick or been injured? And I'm like, would you really? Would you really injured instantly? Injured, maybe, because I'd go, oh yeah, I've never broken a bone. I'm aware of that. That's all my, but like sick, like, would you remember? So you, you remember being sick. You don't remember when you're not sick. Yeah. So it, it plays realistic to me, the way that he's not sure. And he, he's trying to Yeah, search. it's like if you, if you ask me, oh, a year ago, were you sick? I was like, probably not. But I don't know. I, I can't remember. Uh, and it, it's such a normal thing that everyone goes through. You wouldn't assume that you're not doing it ever. Yeah, you just yeah. assume that, ah, oh, you must have been in. Because you don't really remember it. Because it is a, an unpleasant experience, you don't think about it. You don't dwell on it. You kind of just forget about it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sort of going a little bit older here cause just to sort of stick with sequences in the house with the family. Uh, we see that he's got a gun. They establish that because he goes and looks at his newspaper clippings and he's... Because it's after he's like contemplating with his next meeting with uh, Elijah that he's looking and he's like, we, we learn about this accident uh, in in college. When he goes to see Elijah with the kid, we yeah. learn that he was injured in college and he had to stop playing football. Um, and they, they plant those seeds there. Uh, which is when, when the wife actually comes up to him when he's uh, looking at the newspaper clippings and she's like, like, it's no coincidence that you were in that accident and you survived. We should try again. We should try and patch this relationship up. Yeah. And... What I what I really like about that scene is I think the acting from uh, the actress playing the wife is really good because uh, she does this thing where she she starts the conversation with, look, I'm going to ask you a question and the answer won't affect me. And she repeats that like three times. Yeah. She says it like three times. And then she's like, have you been with anyone else since, since we started having trouble? And she, she then repeats it again. And the answer won't affect me, but I just, I want to know. Before yeah. and uh, it really plays up your assumption that he's gonna say no, but then she's gonna leave anyway. Hmm. But he says no, and she starts tears of happiness. Basically, she can't control the fact that she's relieved to hear that. And what I like about that is she's trying to convince herself almost that she doesn't care, but she's so happy with the response. Yeah that she can't hold it back. And uh, I, I like that. I like that a lot. It's one of those uh, little performance things that... Not for lack of trying on his part, though. No, he does Well, that's, that's, that's kind of why we... Do, do you know why that works? It's because we don't know the answer, because we've seen him try at the start. Yeah. So we don't know for sure if he did... Yeah. No, that point. could have been someone else. He, he yeah. struck out that time, but that doesn't mean any other time. Yeah, he was in New York for a weekend or whatever. Yeah, he was clearly not averse to being with someone else. Yeah, uh, and it's funny because one of these ideas where uh, that that Elijah brings up to him when he goes and sees him at his uh, work at the, the stadium, and he's like, 
you, you spoke about waking up with sadness and that there's this idea throughout the movie that he's sad and he's feeling unfulfilled and that's why maybe the marriage is kind of in a wreck is mm. because he's not happy with himself and it was just kind of a, a classic thing that people always say that if you're not happy with yourself then your relationships will deteriorate as well as a result yeah. if you're not comfortable with yourself so that idea that he is not doing what he's supposed to be doing is affecting everything around him because he's he's not because she even says when they go on this the sort of first date you know the the rebirth date I'm going to call it uh, keep the comics theme going keep the comics theme going and she says uh, you know do you keep me and Joseph at a distance and he's like yeah <laughs> and she's like why and he's like I, I don't really know and it's just this idea that his his life's not in place because of that because uh, he even says that when he woke up and went to see Elijah that was the first morning he woke up and he didn't feel as shit. <laughs> Mm. As he had been, so they they keep that that theme going uh, throughout. And his relationship with the sons actually really really fascinating to me as well. The sons used exceptionally well, I think, because the son is kind of like. So to be realistic, all the adults are super skeptical. Every, everything Elijah says, you know, David Dunn's like, "This is bullshit." What are you talking about? I'm not this. I'm not that. This yeah. is ridiculous. The son is literally the kid in all of us who wants it to be real. Yeah. He wants it to be. He wants his dad to be a superhero, to a fault. To a fault, yeah, and it leads to one of the one of the most sort of tense and ridiculous scenes at, at the same time in the movie. Yeah, because uh, the, the kid at one point is in a fight at school because he believes that if he, oh maybe if my dad's got powers maybe I have powers too maybe it's you know runs in the family, uh, and he gets his ass kicked and like David outside the school is like no you no, I am a regular guy just like you. And we see throughout the movie that he's slowly believing it more and more. You know, the, the weightlifting scene where he says he's going to take more weights off, but he puts more on. Interesting. That was the uh, that was the first scene that I'd seen before. Oh, really? And it's because that is the first instance of his heroic theme. You're right, it is. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, I know this because obviously I did, that was in my lecture. But Yeah. I, I, just I, I just for anyone it. who doesn't know, the chorus studied uh, music. And that's why it's all music moments that he'd seen before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, right. Oh, the music's fantastic. We've not spoken about the music yet, but uh, this is one of my favourite scores, actually. Um, it's great. It is very great. Everything about it. Uh, even like the first incident, instance of the, 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 the love theme for him and his wife comes in, it's really really great mm-hmm. moment. Every time the heroic stuff starts to creep in, uh, it's it's really great, especially since it's all very reserved and just a little bit of it because it's not, he's not there yet. He's just this yeah, slowly yeah. discovering until it. until the moment when it is, and then it's like, ah, oh, here you go, here it is in its full form. Yeah, which yeah, is why it, that scene was also one of the other ones that yeah, I'd seen before. Yeah, it, it, it evolves throughout the movie until it's like time. It'll really let it fly, yeah. and yeah. Uh, but no, it's, it's that where he's like, that was dangerous, Joseph. We'll never do that again. And he adds more weights anyway, and then he comes up, and I love that. Just is like, should I add more on? And then Bruce Willis looks around at the, the weights and he's like, okay. <laughs> he's like, don't, don't tell your mum. Yeah, and never do anything like this. This is stupid. You know that's a stupid, right? <laughs> and then he does it anyway. It's actually quite funny. There's a, cause I don't remember all of them, but I did watch the deleted scenes on the... Yeah. Years ago, I watched the deleted scenes. There was a second weightlifting sequence. Do you know because he obviously works at a... A sta- sure. football stadium. Yeah. There's, there's gyms inside for the, the players. Yeah, at one point during a game, he uh, like he's doing his patrol and he he sort of saunters by their like their gym 
and he sees their their weights. And because obviously he only had so, because they tied like paint cans onto the weights yeah, to yeah. add more weight. He wanted to see. Obviously, they've got much more. Yeah, because they've got a full gym and whatever. And he goes in and he adds just like the biggest one, whatever the weight that is. He just adds tons of those to both sides. Right, right. And there's, there's a, it's a really funny scene actually on its own because he's he's doing the weights and he puts it down and he sits up and the entire team is standing there just staring at him in silence because <laughs> he's been bench pressing like. A thousand pounds or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was a really funny scene. He took it off. Shyamalan said he took it out because he felt it was a bit repl- repetitive. He didn't need it because you, you got everything you needed to from the the one. Ah, that makes sense. But it, it was a funny enough sequence. So I wanted to. It does sound amusing. Yeah, it was a funny enough little sequence. So I, I feel like that might have actually harmed the film in general, not because of it being repetitive, but throwing in such blatant comedy. Like at that yeah. point of the film, assuming it was a bit later on. I yeah, I imagine it was somewhere in the middle. The sounds of it. Cause you, yeah, because you can't have done it straight after because that would have been really repetitive. So it had to have been a bit later. Mm. And by the point that you're out there, I feel like you're going down a different path. Yeah, because there was another flashback with young Elijah as well. Yeah. Uh, from before the the scene where he's got his arm in the cast, you see how he gets the, the broken arm. Oh, right. Uh, it was an entire scene where they're at, like a, uh, at the fair and he goes on one of the teacup style rides. Hmm. Uh, I can't remember like, the exact details. Like, was he told he wasn't supposed to, and he did anyway, or if the mother let him, and then he got hurt anyway? I can't remember. But he, again, he took it. He didn't really need it. He's yeah. got a cast on. Like, we don't have to see how he how he got it. Yeah, it doesn't matter because we know about the condition. Yeah, and then we see the effects. So that's all you need. Yeah. So no. Um. So all, all that stuff with the son and him, like hoping he's a hero. Is is great, and it's funny because they are starting to rebuild the family a little bit. It's like David's starting to get a little bit better with these relationships throughout the movie, and it's after this like telling. It's like it's, it's the very next scene, I think. Actually, it's like he tells him in the playground, "No, I'm not this. Get over yeah. this. It's silly." Blah blah blah. The very next scene is when they're in the kitchen, and Joseph pulls out the gun, which we've, they've established he's got in the in the cupboard, and he pulls it out on his dad because he's going to prove to him that he's invulnerable. Yeah. And this is also after uh, Audrey's met Elijah, because this is we'll talk about what led led to him getting to physical therapy, because she's a physical therapist. And at this point, obviously, he'd gone and picked up the kid after he'd been beaten up, and we got yeah. told about the drowning. Yeah, we're going to talk more about those details, but yeah, I, just, yeah, I wanted but to stick with the kid. important at this yeah. point. But this is where we are, and she's talking to him about Elijah, and they turn around, and Joseph's got the gun, and he's pointing it to him. And this is, again, another great stuff with great acting, where... David basically decides, right, I might not be able to convince him that I'm invulnerable, but I'll say, look, if you're going to shoot me, I'm going to leave. I'm going to yeah. go to New York, we're going to split up the family, because friends don't shoot friends. And this is maybe an unintentional laugh, but I always laugh at this line. It's like, the friends don't shoot friends, do they, Audrey? And she goes, no shooting friends, Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> no, that makes me laugh as well. Yeah, it really made me laugh. Uh, and eventually puts the the gun down, but another thing I love again in the filmmaking is they all slouch to the floor. Like the entire family's been broken by this really drastic event where the, the young kid almost shot the dad. Yeah. On, on what they both believe at this point to be a complete delusion. And as far as we're concerned, maybe. Because yeah. we haven't seen any evidence yet. Yeah. Other and, than like the weightlifting, obviously. But we haven't seen anything that convinces us for sure. Yeah. And they all slouch one by one. The kid slouches, then the wife slouches, and then Bruce Willis slouches in the back. And they're all on the floor. It, it just again, it's this visual representation of the entire family being brought to the ground because of these yeah. events, and how much Elijah's influence is affecting everything at this moment in the film. Yeah, and uh, uh, I just, I, I think that's great stuff. 
So we'll stay off the kid for now because it's really not relevant again till the very end. Mm. And so let's go, let's go back to Elijah coming to see David Dunn at his work, and he's like, "Right, you you chose to protect people. You chose to be security. I find that very interesting." Yeah, yeah, that's what make that's what makes him. He rules him off because of the what he, the kid tells him about the accident and so on. And but that, that's the that's the one little hook that gives him the oh maybe he is this person I've been looking for this mm. other side of the scale. And this is when he like tells him about the 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 instinct. You know, he, he discovers that David has good instincts, and he talks about him, the, the guys in line with the gun and all that stuff. And uh, he. You know, David says, "Oh, I got this image of a silver gun with a black grip." Yeah, uh, he specifically really says what the gun was, and Elijah, in an effort to wanting to know if, like, if he's if his claims are founded, like, is this really, like, does he have powers? Is this a skill? Whatever, he goes chasing after uh, the guy. And which, by the way, I love that his car has got all this really ridiculous padding in it. I don't know if you noticed. Yeah, it was all this like sort of black bubbles sort of stuff yeah. going on. All just to the be car. safe. Yeah, just to be yeah, because if he crashes, that's going to do much. Destroy him. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. So obviously we get this scene where he gets to the stairs and we see down the stairs and it's like, oh dear, he's you know where this is going. <laughs> yeah, he's he's going to crumble. I mean, even if you couldn't just guess anyway, because it's the the obvious thing to do, mm. you can tell from the way it is filmed. It, it's it's speeding up. The cuts are getting closer. Yeah, I actually it focuses a lot on his feet as he goes down. Those shots of his feet actually, I think, are very exceptionally well done because they make me feel uncomfortable. You know, mm. condition or no condition, the way he's, his footing is very like he's not landing his feet properly and he's kind of shuffling down them, and it yeah. just looks very dangerous. Even if you, if you didn't have a condition, I'm like, man, you're going to fall and break your neck. <laughs> yeah, if you go down steps like that. Uh, it's one of those things where obviously he does fall and he breaks stuff, but you go, yeah, a normal person might break something in that fall. Yeah, that yeah that falls bad enough for everyone to break something. <laughs> but he falls down down the stairs and he lands and he sees the gun and he smiles. Obviously giving us like another hint, right, this might be a real thing. Yeah. But the other thing I love about it is that the camera again is upside down and again his viewpoint is upside down. When he sees the gun it's upside down. So this idea that he's in an upside down version of the world, that he has a different perception on everything yeah. that everyone uh-huh. else does. The other thing I really like here is the the glass cane shatters. Yeah, and it's like his world shatters with it, and it's like, oh, this is it. it kind of blows it open. Yeah, but it almost doesn't matter when he lands because he sees it. It's it's true. Yeah, it's like this. This was fine. This was, you know. Uh, so and he goes to physical therapy, and I think did they imply that he requests it to be uh, David's wife? I think I think they must do. Yeah. It's otherwise very, that's just too coincidental isn't it it's very coincidental if it isn't so I have to assume that he requested to go to that that yeah. particular place uh, as opposed to maybe another one in the city where she wasn't working thing, I don't recall him saying it but I just assumed that yeah, he, he must have yeah you feel like that's the way it's explained uh, and he starts asking all these awkward questions and you, you can see what he's getting at he's yeah. got an idea he keeps asking about this accident and oh you, you had your husband he was a football player and she's like oh I never would have married him and as soon as she says that he like he faked it he faked the injury yeah because he wanted to be with his wife uh, to be with Audrey uh, not that she was a wife then but you know what I mean yeah. and he, he obviously lets it slip at the end he mentions David and she's not told him his name which is why she he starts spilling his she twigs on his, old, his whole theory about him being possibly yeah. a superhero and whatnot. <laughs> and uh 
and that's kind of where that that leads and she's she's kind of freaked out by that and that's why when we get to the scene at the the kitchen she's also completely aware of the stakes and what's corrupted her son's thought process because at this point she's like oh how does he know elijah and he he tells her he was there when when i went to see him yeah so he's he's heard it all as well yeah and i i think it neatly sets it up so when we get to that kitchen scene which is very much the I call that end act two when everything's at its slowest when he's very likely to just want nothing to do with Elijah and he wants nothing to do with this yeah because it's just because that's obviously just after he's picked him up from school and it's when he's at school we get this scene because obviously throughout the film because while uh, Audrey's been told all this stuff from Elijah it's when it's intercutting with David at work and he's maybe starting to test the whole idea that if someone touches him he can get a, a glimpse of they've done something bad yeah and this is where we get the M. Night Shyamalan cameo when he bumps into him Aye, aye. and he thinks he's had drugs and he doesn't have them and I, I, I read that as a, maybe he's done that the last time he was here or something like that that's why he's it's wrong he doesn't have them yeah, it could be I don't know I was just me trying to explain why why it was wrong maybe it's just because David's doubting himself maybe it's more of a character thing could be I mean the thing is it doesn't imply that it has to be happening right now as we see in other mm. visions it does look into the further past so yeah. it just could be just a, an, another time yeah it could have been the last game he was at or yeah, something like that. Yeah, so there's no no rhyme or reason in that sense. But yeah, so this is very much, and this gives us the the reason uh, during the that this because it's actually very smartly done when you think about it. Because as Audrey's being questioned by Elijah, and you get the sense of oh, he faked the accident injury. He wasn't actually injured. Mm. It's told at the exact same time as the real sort of like reason why he might not be a superhero because. We hear the story of him drowning and yes. technically being pronounced dead. Yeah, uh, by the by the, uh, the the counselor or the teacher, whoever it is, uh, working at the school, who's like ancient and was still there when he was a kid. Yeah, yeah, uh, she's probably dead now. It's dark. <laughs> I'm just thinking because Bruce Willis is ancient now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a fair point. It's been what like seventeen years. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She there's a, there's a reasonable chance that she is. Yeah. I mean more the character. I'm not talking about the actress. I just want to point that out. I'm talking about... I mean, I mean they're kind of one and the same, though, aren't they? I know, but I wasn't trying to make a joke about a, a real old woman being dead. I was I was just more about the the, the, the character. Aye. Which, by the way, that was another scene in the movie where the, the camera decided to never look at her. I mean, we see her before from the kid's perspective outside the room, through the glass. Yeah. But once it cut into the room and it was the actual dialogue... You just see the, the back of her head. Just the back of her head. It could That could have been M. Night Shyamalan in a wig, for all we know, on camera. It could have been. It could have been. Uh, but against very specific choices in the filmmaking to only show certain things and it's often these ones like here where it's things that he doesn't necessarily want to remember so it mm. does, he doesn't look at it directly because he doesn't want to confront it yeah so yeah. it's so we're not confronting it either yeah uh a lot, a lot of good stuff like that in the movie because the, the camera often it's very sure of itself and it doesn't overly cut like it'll stay in one shot if it thinks it's the better I say it as if the camera's deciding, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. If it's better for the movie to just to stay in the one shot, it'll just stay in the one shot. And it, it does that yeah. kind of repeatedly. Uh, it's impossible to remember them all, but there were so many moments re-watching it where I was just kind of impressed with what the camera was doing in the scene. Mm. Um, you know, because the very next scene is uh, David goes to Elijah, and Elijah's like, I think you faked that accident. But this is when, no, like, I drowned when I was a kid. Okay, my kid almost shot me. Stay away from me. And this is when, this is really the end of Act 2, is when he's telling Elijah, stay out of my goddamn life. And again, the scene ends with the camera just quietly panning, and David gets like off frame, and he's right at the edge of the frame, 
and it's just like it's like the it's like the hope of him believing him was just leaving the scene as the yeah. camera leaves him and it's just David on his own at the edge of the frame uh, so again really nice subtle film you can think and it's so it's after this he goes on the, the sort of the date with the wife and we get, get these little character beats and they talk about um, and it sets up that really nice thing where he says the first time he knew there was a problem with the marriage was when he had a nightmare and he didn't wake her up to so that he yeah. could comfort him and I thought that was a really nice little hmm. just, no, just the concept just as a nice concept especially when it comes back into play later when he does like take her up like to the bed that, yeah. and says I had a bad dream and she's like it's all okay now and that, that's kind of a symbolic thing saying our marriage is okay now we're kind of yeah, it's, it's we're not on all, the right track it's not all tied in a bow and it's all neatly fixed but we're on the path now and yeah yeah because this was the the problem in the first last one I noticed if I'm doing this now it's symbolic of yeah we're okay yeah uh, so really, really nice this set up and pay off it's very simple yeah. something a lot of filmmakers don't understand set up and, set up and pay off yeah uh but yeah, so it's during this where Elijah's like depressed and he goes to a comic book store and he's kind of harassing the employees, like hitting the comics and knocking them off the wall. Kicking the shelves off from inside his wheelchair. Uh, and he, he grabs an issue and he's like, I'll have this one. It's kind of probably the, the biggest laugh of the movie, I suppose, is when he just kind of ended the scene goes, how much for this one? After the, yeah. the guy's like ready to phone the police. But the, they come home and he gets dancing. Uh, machine, uh, the phone call and the answer machine. Uh, yeah. And we get the babysitter who's kind of got a funny thing uh, going. And we find out that he got this job in New York and he may have to leave. And mm. it, it puts again the relationship in this this kind of weird place. And But he, he gets the, the phone call. This is another shot I love in the movie, actually, is when he's listening to the, the, the message in the answer machine. Because the answer machine's in the corner of the frame. And he's just in silhouette in the doorframe because it's like a hallway yeah. uh, past the thing. And what I really love about it is when he returns the call to Elijah, his setup is almost the exact same. Where the phone's at this corner and there's a hallway behind them. Yeah, very, very same, mirroring the same things. What what I like most is the edit after. So it's it's the whole phone call, and he says, "Oh, water is your kryptonite. It affects us both the same. You yeah. can still drown." And as the cut, it then cuts to outside this pouring rain, like this torrentially pouring rain. Yeah, it's a I nice thought, touch. I was like, ah, oh, that was nice. Even before that, the first hint of the rain, because it's not been raining all movie. The first time, well, actually, it was raining one random scene when he's at, at work, but the, at this point of the movie, because the, the rest of the movie takes place almost entirely in this night. Yeah. And it's when the babysitter's leaving, and she she opens the door, and she's like, ah, oh, damn, and she puts her coat up over her head. Mm. And I, was, I, I don't think I'd ever noticed that before. As weird as that sounds, I was too focused on what the scene was about, because it's, yeah, yeah. you know, about, oh, he's got the job, they may have to split up anyway, and all that and they're in a kind of good place because they had this good date and it seemed to go well uh, one more point in that that uh, answer machine again it's one shot but he's delivering all this information there's an audio thing here that I love so the whole mm-hmm. thing sounds like the answer machine message you know it's got that yeah, effect it's, on it it's got, the, right? it's got the filter on you the very last line though when he says are you hearing me David the effect goes away and it's just as if he's in the room yeah really nice touch yeah, yeah. Uh, I really like that as well. Yeah. There's a few sound bits in this that I loved. Uh, when he's falling down the stairs, oh my god, it sounds amazing. The, the, the bones crunching, is, it's oh, it such a good sound. Oh, do you know what I love about it as well, actually? I don't know if I noticed this before, but I'm pretty sure one of his bones breaks before he even hits anything. He actually, it's, it's when he properly trips and you just see the leg kind of like go forward. I think he's actually, yeah, you hear yeah, a crunch snaps. in there. Yeah. yeah, And it's actually really interesting. There's a scene later on where, where you know he's bashing against the wall. Hmm. They use the sound effect of one of the broken bones as he cracks the wall. Oh, really? It's the same sound yeah. effect. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's the same one. 
which I thought was a, a nice little thing. So David hears this, water is your kryptonite, it's your one weakness kind of thing. And he he goes out to he breaks into I guess the junkyard place where they're keeping the uh, the train that crashed you know the mm. presumably they've been investigating it trying to look for the source of the the problem and so on and he, he goes to sort of look at it. and it's when we, this is when we get the flashback to the crash when he was a uh, you know in high school with Audrey and he yeah. was going to go off to college to play football or he was in college or whatever it was but and we see the crash and by the way they did a good job with this actor he looks a lot like a young Bruce Willis. Yeah, I, I, I'm assuming there's maybe some CG help with it, but at the end when he looks up, it really looks like a young Bruce Willis. Mm. But so we get that scene; it plays out, and this is when you first, I think, properly get a good sense of the heroic theme in the music. It's when he uh, he's trying to get her out, and he actually bends the door. Yeah, and it's like the music properly kicks in as he's carrying her away, and it's that's great big epic moment. And he and it's funny because throughout the movie, you know, he knows he's, he lied about that his whole life. Yeah, but he's never really imagined that it meant anything until now. You know, beyond the I wanted to be with her, but it never meant something beyond that. It was never. Yeah, yeah. And he phones Elijah back, and that's when I said you get the almost the exact same shot of him. He's not in silhouette because he's by the phone answering it, but it's the same framing hallway. wise. Framing yeah. wise, it's the exact same. And he's like, "Yeah, I wasn't hurt in that accident." Yeah, and it's just like, "Oh, right, great." He's he's kind of accepted it. He's like, well, what do you do now? And he, he goes to the train station. And he it, it mirrors again what we've seen earlier on when he like walked out in the crowd at the at work to feel yeah. to get a, so they could touch him and he would that sounds really dodgy. You know what I mean? So they could sort of brush past him and he would get the get the glimpses. Get the visions essentially. And he does it this time, but this time he properly extends his hands out and it's like it's a proper superhero moment where he's really accepting it and he's looking for it. And obviously the music's great at this point as well. The entire thing plays out This is another one of those scenes that I'd yeah. seen before because this is where the music really... like. This is the full version of his heroic theme. I wouldn't say it's the heroic theme quite yet. I think it is. Well, there's I, bits I, of it in there, but this is this was a lot more drums and a lot more... There's a lot more darkness in this version as he's like getting all the visions. Yeah. I would argue but... that the full, the full heroic thing is when he steps out of the pool. I mean, there's that one as well, but I, I, I mean, this is very much the heroic theme. Not maybe not its final form. But it's, it's, the, it's a full form. I guess it. what I mean is, it's not pure heroism. It's there's other stuff in there. Yeah. Okay. It's it's it's, it's a darker edge to it. It's not the unfiltered. No, he's a hero now. Theme. Yeah, yeah, but it's the first one where he's fully accepted what he's doing. So that's mm. why it, why it kicks in and gives you the, the the heroic theme in general. So he's in the train station. He's also got his superhero costume on, is what I'm calling it. It's basically his raincoat from work, but it's got it's so it's got such a good look to it because it's, it's it makes r- him look like the Spectre. Kinda, yeah, I can, I can see that. But he's he's got you know it's it's got the sort of the it's more of an overall, so it's got it's got the big little wings that makes when his arms go out. Yeah, uh, and he's got the hood over the cap, so it's a very very specific look. And especially when he gets outside and he's in the rain, and there's like silhouettes mm. of him. See when he goes in the house. And he's just in silhouette. It's when you can't see his face. Yeah, it just looks gorgeous. Yeah. It's like proper comic booky at this point, in a good way. The the way they're sort of yeah, saying yeah. this is how comic books are drawn. This is how we're going to, we're going to emulate on film. I think there's a lot of framing and cutting in that in general, kind of mm. to emulate that feel of, you know, you how you read a comic. It's like reading storyboards. You don't, other than certain points where it cuts to a different scene, it often doesn't cut. It kind of just flows. 
And a lot of the camera editing feels like that, where it just flows from scene, like transition to transition. There's a lot of fade to black as well in the scenes, rather than just yeah. cutting to the next scene. Very yeah. intentional. It gives it this this pacing as well, on top of the the slower camera movement, which I love. I wish more movies that came out today slowed down a little bit in their in their mm. cutting. Like we don't need X number of shots per second. It's fine. Yeah, you know, it's something I really appreciate. So he gets all these visions, we see all these awful things of people around him, uh, and again it does that thing where the, the colour drains from the flashbacks, but you've got the the one, the, the evil person in the colour, and yeah. there's the, the kid that sexually assaults someone, he's like in blue, there's another guy who's in like a plaid shirt who uh, did like a sort of racial attack on someone in the street, and then we get the orange man, who... Yeah broke into a house and seemingly has killed some people in the house. We don't get the full brunt of it, but we get the sense that this is going on. And David follows him. This is, again, the camera work that I was just loving in this movie is he follows the orange man who's like a janitor at the uh, the train station. and Which is why he's, he's got orange on. It's yeah, he goes in the maintenance store. Yeah. And uh, it's the camera. It, it, we start following the orange man and it's kind of over the shoulder and the camera keeps following the orange man up until the maintenance store and it stops at the maintenance store. And it waits there a couple of seconds until he comes out with his like hat on and his bag. So he's obviously gone home. This is the end of his shift, yeah. right? And then it cuts to the outside. It's just everything about it. it just it felt like we were David following and watching. But, every, but the the genius of this though is that for this good thirty second chunk, we're not seeing David, right? We're not mm. seeing him. So then it cuts to these stairs. This this rain pouring down. Stairs going up this sort of hill, and it's all pouring rain in front of the, the lights and all that. It's gorgeous stuff, and. The, the man in orange at the top walks off and walks up and then we get this great emerging shot coming up the stairs of David appearing from yeah. the side in the rain and it's just everything about it feels like this is a film like they really thought about every single shot so that none of them feel wasted none of them just feel like transitional shots every single one feels intentional yeah and he goes inside the house and we get that great silhouette when he's like the so the, the living room's all lit up but he's like in the shadows in the foreground and he's like yeah. searching. And it's when he opens the door and he sees like the dead dad. And that lights his face because there's light coming from that room, but then he shuts it again and it's back into darkness. Yeah. Back into silhouette. Uh, so he finds the kids and he helps them. He, he finds the, the mother who's upstairs tied to one of the radiators. And this is when the man in orange... Again, gorgeous horror movie-esque shot of like him appearing behind the curtain. Because yeah. as David comes into the room, it's like this curtain that's flowing in the foreground. So we only see glimpses of him walking around as the curtain's flowing. And when he comes through, David like throws him off... Uh, not David, sorry. The orange, man orange throws him off into the pool. And so we know he's afraid of water, but not only that, the water's got like, a cover on it. Yeah, it's a pool cover. Pool it's cover. got all leaves going in it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he sinks into the pool with this lot. And this is the sort of thing, even if you weren't afraid of water, this would be terrifying. Because you're trapped. It's yeah. it's not that you just... Because obviously, I, kind of at this point, I'm assuming not only is he just afraid of water, he's, he's maybe he can't swim properly at this point. Yeah, because he's probably never went and learned properly after that incident. Right, exactly. So even if you can swim, though, like when, when you're engulfed in this fabric that's it's quite thick, and then you, you can't see anything because it's dark, it's a black fabric... And then you're you're trapped in it inside the water. Yeah. That's that's pretty scary. And it's the kids who he already saved that actually save him. They like put the uh, the pole down and he manages to yeah. get 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 up. And that's when I think that the real heroic theme kind of is when mm. he's standing up. It's it's that great moment. And what I love about the framing of this shot as well is that he's all in frame when he's down and then he stands up 
and he actually leaves the frame and it's just his feet, it's just his like sort of waist down, but the kids are all in frame and it's kind of like the kids are looking up at this larger than life superhero. Yeah, it's it's very classic superhero thing to do where you, you look up at them. Yeah. But not just superheroes, heroes in general. Yeah, but because we stay on that shot though, I mean, we see the kids looking up but we don't see him. We've seen him, yeah. we know what he looks like, we don't need to see him. But it, it gives it this great larger than life, like he's properly becoming a hero now. And it's... Mm. It feels so earned because he's been so sceptical and because it has been building the entire movie and it just, it's perfect. And the music, everything just complements it. And then he goes and he sneaks up behind the orange man and tackles him. And again, this all stays in one shot. As soon as he grabs him, it's this sort of like high angle shot looking down at them and the camera just follows him, stays in the one shot the whole time. And it's this idea that once he has a hold of him, the guy in orange doesn't have a chance because David, he can't be hurt. You know, yeah. He's invulnerable. And he's, he's defeated his his weakness. He's overcome that by yeah. once he's got out of the pool. And what I love about it, uh, staying in one shot, and just the simplicity of it is that he just grabs him until he like passes out. Is I like that? Yeah, he's not trained. He's not someone who'd have some elaborate plan. It's not. It's not like he's. I mean, he is super strong to a point. He's super strong in that his bones won't break, so he kind of gets away with doing it. But he's not. I, I don't think yeah. he can just flip a car at someone. It doesn't quite work like no, that. No, no, because obviously, but it's it's weird. Cause he he lifts the weights. Is is it just a case of them not snapping his arms, or yeah. is it a case of he still has to have the muscle to lift it up as well? Because he he brings it down <sighs> and then lifts it back up, doesn't he? Actually, one of the big uh, complaints about the weightlifting stuff is that if you're being accurate, that that bar is should form just awful. Well, no, no, not not its form. The bar should be bending with that much weight. Oh yeah, yeah it, it would. Um, that's a pet complaint though. Piss off. Uh, Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> this is a film about superheroes, essentially. Yeah, but... And, the, and you're going to complain about a bar bending. But then, then they throw it back if you say, yeah, but you say you like it because it's grounded, and that, this is an example of it not being grounded. Like, it's the it's the character's reactions to it that's grounded. It's not the... The events it, aren't. Yeah, the events aren't. Like, it's, like he's, he's ripping off car doors, and he's invulnerable. Like, this is... That's not grounded. Come on, it's not. And we're really going to complain about not a bar not bending. Yeah, it's one of those stupid complaints that still is annoying me. Ugh. But no, uh, so great. And then this is the other sort of main theme that I think kicks in. The sort of theme that plays as he's yeah tackling it. It's, it's kind of the uh, climactic theme, I'll call it, because it, it feels like that. Yeah. Um, also very heroic, but it's also used in a non-heroic way in a minute, which is why I wouldn't maybe. Yeah, call it's that. more. I think of the right way to describe it. Like I say, it's not heroic. You're, you're the one with the music degree. Go on, hit me. I know, I know, I am. But <laughs> <laughs> that, that makes it harder to to put it in layman's terms. Oh, shut up. <laughs> we actually we actually got in trouble for using those sorts of words to describe them if in in our pieces. Oh, if, if we did a, uh, anything like that, that's a descriptor. We we would get in trouble for using. All right, that's interesting. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so again, music was fantastic. It all plays, and then, unfortunately, the woman's dead. Like the mother just falls to the ground, and it's like, okay, you didn't save them all, but you saved the kids. You saved, you know, the future. The hopes there that the kids will yeah, grow yeah. up into a better world. Blah 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 blah, and that works really great. And then that's when you get the scene of him like picking up Audrey, and like he, actually he hangs up his his cape first. His cape, yeah, yeah, the superhero cape. He hangs that up, and it's really really cool. And he he takes her up to the bed, and he does the whole. I had a bad dream, and she said it's okay. And you, you get that he's ready to move on and be okay with everything because he's fully accepted his role. He doesn't feel that sadness anymore. Yeah. And that's why it all clicks here for him. Uh, and then we get the great scene the next morning when uh, Joseph comes down 
to breakfast. And yeah. they, they seem very happy with each other. And Joseph sits down. And this is, again, the pacing. I love that it takes the time. We see Joseph unscrew the, the orange juice mm. and he pours I'll a drink. Pour the drink, yeah. Takes its time. You, you get a sense of pacing. Like It's like this is a mundane morning for Joseph. Yeah. It's just normal. And it cuts to that sh- over-the-head shot of the, the orange juice. And you just see the edge of the newspaper slide into frame. Not yeah. not, not properly into frame. It's It's kind of like... It's the peripheral vision where you just see it. It's corner of your eye, isn't it? It's yeah. like, okay, we know it's there. And he'll have seen, like, oh, it's there. But it's we won't very, have looked at it yet. It's very intentional. It's, it's, worth, it's one of the things we talk about when we talk about pacing. And I've said this in other reviews from stuff, TV and movies, that you have overall pacing, which is, like, just how the movie overall sort of feels. Scene to scene, scene how to scene. it feels. But then you have scene pacing, and that's the pacing within the scene. Yeah. And that's where I think Unbreakable is, really excels. I think the pacing within the scenes is basically perfect i don't think there's a, a flaw no no that's fair and the way it paces out the information to build suspense out of moments that you wouldn't necessarily think of as suspenseful yeah. but emotionally speaking it is because of the, the beats that are playing out and on the newspaper it's like a, a drawing of the his cape and hat <laughs> and it says hero saves kids uh, parents found dead and he looks up and he you know he sort of smiles and just kind of nods and just to let him know that it was him yeah and he cries and he says you know don't tell mother. But what I love about the scene, though, in terms of a character perspective, is that he's telling the son, he has to tell the son, not only because he's bonded with the son over this and because the son's felt closer because he thinks his dad's a hero, but because they grilled him and they treated him like he did something wrong. I mean, don't get me wrong, he did with the gun. That was the wrong thing to do. Yeah, yeah. But they made him think that he was crazy, that what he was thinking was unjustified, that he was thinking wrong and he needs to learn that that was bad. The gun thing, sure... But he had to let his son know that, no, you weren't crazy. I, yeah, yeah. I am this. And I, I like that. And that's why he doesn't just tell his wife, but he tells the son. The son needs to know that he wasn't a nut job for yeah. thinking it. Uh, and that's that's really cool. Plus, it, it gives you that bond. And who knows, maybe his powers will kick in when he's 20 and he can have a, a Batman Robin-esque mm. adventure. I don't know. But, who knows? Yeah. So... We get to the final scene of the movie, and it's at the art gallery. They mentioned this earlier on, that he was going to have an exhibit at some point. Yeah. And he's there, he's in his wheelchair. And David meets uh, Elijah's mother, who we've only seen the flashbacks up until this point. Uh, and this is where we get the whole little bit of analysis about the villains in the eyes, and how they're usually the complete opposite of the hero, and it's like, <laughs> oh, I wonder where this is going. Oh, no. Uh, but I appreciate all that, I appreciate that it's all built. And it just it sinks it in a little bit deeper that it's going to hurt him because he's like, oh, we're friends. He actually refers to him as a friend, which yeah. when throughout the movie he's, like, he's he told him to stay away from him and his family. He thought he was a nut job and he all this. So he's he's turned around to thinking he's a friend. Uh, but they go, they go into his back room and they he's like, well, and again this this is where I really thought Elijah has the uh, the comic book dialogue because he says it has begun. And that's a very pulpy, mm. comic booky sense is, yeah. to say, it has begun! But it makes sense that he would say that because he's the one who believes in this shit, like, yeah. instantly. And he's been obsessed with comic books his entire life. Uh, but they shake hands, and if you didn't see it coming, this is the, 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 the bombshell that he was behind all the different tragedies that had happened that he'd mentioned earlier on in the movie. Uh, they show you one at uh, an airport, a plane that blew up. They show you one at uh, the hotel fire, how he got that information. Yeah. but we, And we'd heard about these in general. Yeah. Like, he, he'd told us about them earlier in the film. Yeah. And we'd see that he was also responsible for the train. Uh, he yeah. he did something in the, in the front of the train to mess up with it. Brakes, probably, whatever. 
Is and it a cockpit in a train? It's not a cockpit. <laughs> I don't know. I've never heard a... a, a I don't know, though. What, what, what is it on a train? Usually it's the front car. I just... But what if it's at the back? Well, usually at both, because the train will go back and forth. Oh, and yeah, track. that's true. But I don't know. So the front the front just changes depending on which way it's Yeah, going. but that feels like a boring name for it. Like, I feel like it's got its own name. It, like, pr- it probably does. Conductors? No. Train drivers? No, something? I don't know. Gonna have to look this up. It's not a cockpit. I'm sure it's not a cockpit. Maybe not. Maybe not. No one uses that for trains. Even if it's the official term, no one uses it. No one does. But I'm just wondering what it is. And that, that was it, it sprang to mind, even though it's not quite right. I have seen Under Siege two several times, and at no point did they refer to the the train carriage, the the, the driver carriage, cabin? the cabin, the cabin. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> We're getting off topic. We're getting off topic. Uh, so we find out that he's responsible for all this, and he looks around the room and he sees like all the newspaper clippings and some blueprints that kind of back up the the vision he's just had. And uh, it's it's basically the end of the movie. He he says, "Yeah, I, I you know it's it's awful not knowing what you really are." And then he knows that he was always meant to be the villain, and you know uh, they're usually the opposite of the hero. Sometimes they're even friends, like you and I. And we get the little blurbs that come up saying David Dunn alerted the authorities and they found evidence of terrorism and he's away and, and he's like, I should have known because of the kids, they call me Mr. Glass. You know, Mr. Glass was yeah. his, his villain name. Yeah. Uh, which is is cool. Uh, but it, it, it all works for me because it's been properly built up. It's not the main point of the movie to me. The main point of the movie for me is David's journey. Uh but this is Elijah's journey as the as the villain, as the arch nemesis who works with his mind and not his body. I, agree. I think I was expecting more one because obviously I was just was from just cultural association, mm. and two obviously we spoke about the meta line where with the comic where oh this one's got a twist ending. Not only did it feel like a reference to his previous work, it felt like oh they're talking about this one. Oh, it absolutely does. Uh, and and it was like that's why I was expecting more from that honestly I, th- I think it's a case of being so A you've already seen the ending one so you kind of like, double bluffed yourself into thinking there was another twist <laughs> I did I really thought I'd forgotten it I was, and, like, I was like no I can't yeah. Yeah, that wasn't it and secondly you are someone who consumes a lot of superhero material so maybe yeah, all so the the theme and that's what I love I love that it plays in so many of the like the fact that his name is David Dunn alliteration yeah I was just about to mention that one there you go it's a good one there you go that's yeah. just, a, just a nice little touch that makes it work yeah, there are a lot of those little ones that I, I don't know how. I mean, now more than when it came out, it's very much more noticeable because it's more in the the mainstream in general. Oh yeah, keep in mind when this came out, we had what one X Men movie. Yeah, yeah. The last Pretty Batman much. movie that came out was Batman and Robin. <laughs> yeah, not great. Superhero movies were in a really weird place, and the funny thing is, is I I would never rank this with the actual adaptations of stuff, you know, the characters, because yeah. I feel like it's in a different realm. But in terms of like a superhero character, it is one of the best superhero movies because it's it works completely on its own. It and it does this great thing where and Shyamalan talked about this. I remember him in interviews and stuff how originally the script was like a traditional three act. Act one was yeah, the, I've seen that before. Yeah, the origin, and then he has a villain that's introduced, and then he'd fight at the end. But it got gutted to just like the first act, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, the, the, the entire point was not, I want to explore just the first act, because that was the part that felt like it had all the drama in it, it felt like it had all these stuff. And I think the, it is. The human drama of it yeah. was in, in the, is in the, in the origin, isn't it? And it's all packed in there. It's this realistic, to a point, take on the origin of a superhero. Like, what if someone in our world 
discovered, oh crap, I'm in- indestructible. And mm. just these simple themes that he doesn't feel happy in life because he's not using it for good. Yeah. And the idea that he has this other instinct thing that can also be used. Like just all these very basic things. Like everything's stripped down. Like even Elijah's line when he's describing the instinct, maybe it's based on something as simple as instinct. That kind of describes how they approached all the superpowers in this is they said, it's not going to be big and ridiculous. It's going to be just simple. He's just, yeah, he's indestructible, which gives him a bit more strength. And he can tell when someone's done something bad. Yeah. That's it. And, and also like a lot of classic superhero comics, it's very allegorical in the sense that they say he's not happy when he's not who he is, when he's hiding who he is. He's unhappy with himself. Yeah, yeah. That's that's very allegorical, like like a lot of comics. Yeah, it's there. Uh, but, but honestly, when you boil it down to it, I just think it's a expertly made movie. And I think, like I said, oh, very... scene pacing's on point. The camera's always in the right place uh, for the right amount of time. Music is exceptional. Uh, I think Bruce Willis, in recent years, has been accused of not giving a crap about any of his roles. And I would kind of agree with that. He kind of phones it in. Here, I think he's... Back back when he had to. Well, I wouldn't even argue he had to at this point. I mean, uh, he's already been a megastar for like over a decade. But he had, time. but he was still in the, like, a point where you have to to get away with it all. Mm. But I think he gives a good performance. I think the other main actors all give great performances. It's I feel like it's a movie with a, a very specific focus and vision, and everything feeds into it. Everything feeds into... You know, obviously, you know the family characters aren't just there to give him people that he cares about. Everything that's going on with them and their drama is because he's not being who he is. Everything's an offshoot of that same problem. Yeah. Uh, and Elijah creates him by causing the train crash, and it just, you know, uh, and you know, it was a long time, and I wanted a sequel, and then Chimelan got really bad, and I didn't want a sequel because I thought he'd ruin it. And now they're rumbling about making a potential unbreakable follow-up, and I'm like, you know what? After the last movie that was pretty good, I'm hoping he's found his chi again and he's 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 good to go. I I I love this film. It's one of like I said at the start. It's one that I saw when I was a bit too young for it. I was like, it was okay, whatever. Seen it again when I was about sixteen. Fell in love with it. I've watched. I've shown it to numerous people over the years. Friends who hadn't seen it. Uh, I guess now that counts as you as well because I made you. I mean, I probably would have watched it at some point anyway. Yeah, but I made you. And no, I think it's uh, it's one of my favorite movies of the the, the decade of the. 2000s. See, I, I don't think I go that far. I like it a lot, and I think I need to rewatch it in a couple of years, you know, with hmm. fresh perspective. Uh, I think I like it a bit more after talking about it than I did okay. after first watching. You know, when, when I finished watching it, I just felt a little underwhelmed. I like it a bit more now that I've broken it down and actually thought about it see, on a see, deeper level. Yeah, seen how everything clicks together and how everything works. Yeah, like even though I was aware of all that stuff, I think Tom, I mean, I think we, we've said this a few times in the past where when we talk about stuff, we appreciate it more. Oh, yeah, because you, you stop and you think about it. You think about what the actual filmmaker's doing in the scenes and why characters yeah. relate to other characters and blah, 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 and all, all the subtleties, and there's so many subtleties. There are, and this. I think I enjoyed it a bit more because of this, but overall, I don't think I loved it quite as much, but I do want to watch it again and see if I enjoy it more that time around. I think, well, I think wait, a, wait a year yeah, and watch it again and see how you feel. But you still remember everything, but you go into it with a slightly cleanser palette because you're yeah. it's not just fresh in your head. Uh, and watch it that way because I, nah, I, I love it. I, I can't express how much I love this one. 
enough. I mean, I don't want to give you a peek behind the curtain too much, but we actually recorded the the next movie that's going up before we did this one. I mean, you already told him what it is. Yeah, I told him it was uh, Alien, uh, which is important actually because uh, obviously John Hurt passed away after we recorded the review, so there's going to be a little text thing at the start just to mention that. Yeah, we we, we were not being insensitive. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to dedicate it to. I'm going to start by saying this is dedicated to. John Hurt. I think that's a nice thing to do, but uh, the reason why I'm doing that because at the end of that video we decided to start doing ratings, and I want to do a ratings for this. <laughs> and I just want to point out that we did that one, we recorded that one first, but this has gone up earlier. Yeah, uh, for reasons because we're st- this is a bonus episode essentially, whereas the other ones just this, this was schedule. unplanned. This yeah. was actually for a very different reason. It, it was um, the reason why we actually did this. Uh, a bit of self promotion here. We kind is. of broke our own rule as well. If you've watched all of these in the first year, first one, we said, "Ah, oh, we probably won't go up to the two thousands. Yeah, and that's kind of slightly breaks it because it's two. 2000- oh, I will say this actually, it does feel kind of old now, not in a bad way, but just uh, in the just the way it looks. Yeah, if, I mean, two thousand was a long time ago now. <laughs> it does. Do you know what it is? It's because I watched the Blu-ray. I've got the the Blu-ray, and I watched it on that, and it's. That was one of the first Blu-rays I ever bought in 2008, right? Mm. So it's going, going back a bit, even just in terms of when I bought the Blu-ray. Yeah. There's actually... I mean, look at that collection behind you now. There's actually been more time since I bought the Blu-ray than there was from the movie coming out to the Blu-ray. Jesus Christ, that's weird. Um, but the reason why I'm bringing this up is because it's, it's, it's from this weird era, early Blu-ray, where some of the movies that were putting out, they didn't properly remaster them again. They just mm. used the HD prints they had for like HD TV, so it's a little bit murky. It's not the best looking. Yeah, it, you can tell, can't you? Don't get me wrong; it's much better than the DVD is, but oh, it's, yeah, yeah. but it's not what you'd expect from today's use, standard. It could use an HD remaster. That said, the uncompressed PCM soundtrack in five point one is absolutely glorious. Oh, uh, music, music is sound design as a whole is fantastic, but the the music especially is. Uh, Really makes use of it, and it's got a fantastic mix. Yeah, so it sounds sounds really great. I think I think the music also is just really successful, and that it's really unique. I think you hear a couple of beats that Unbreakable, and you know it's Unbreakable right away. Oh yeah, yeah. You hear that drum beat? You know the. the, the I, I I literally only before this I'd studied it in that mm-hmm. lecture three or four years ago now, and if you'd played me five seconds of it, I could tell you what film it was from just like that, and yeah. I, I literally never listened to it other than in that lecture. Yeah, James Newton Howard uh, is a fantastic composer. Uh, really, yes. really great stuff. But I was telling you why we did this. I sort of got off yes, track. Yeah, we did. Um, so basically, we have uh, on Facebook, we have the Mail Fuzz Facebook group. Not to be confused with the Facebook page, which is just like, you know, kind of like Twitter feed updates stuff. Uh, we have a Facebook group with people on it. And every so often, we do what's called a countdown, where everyone will, in, in this case, for February, at the end of February, we're doing top 50 movies of the 2000s, as in 2000, 2009, that decade. And everyone submits their top 20s uh, to 50. And they all have, based on what the ranking was, they'll get points. And then on a night at the end of the month, uh, I'll reveal what the order is when all the points come in and sort of count down the top 50. It's sort of yeah. voted for as a group. And the the this time it's the 2000s. It varies a lot. And yeah. often... But there's genres, genres was, and stuff as well. Yeah. yeah. A bunch of us use them to watch films from whatever category it is that we hadn't seen before. As a, It's just yeah. an excuse to to focus on something for that month. Yeah, so there's another one that we're definitely going to do a video on that Connor's not seen, that I have, because when he... Because Connor... I mean, I've not seen everything, obviously. There's a lot of movies that I've still missed and I need to go back. But Connor, especially, I think, didn't really start watching movies till he was, like, approaching 20, and he's, he missed a that lot of stuff. That wasn't that late. But the, the, the 2000s, I'm mostly pretty good on. 
but you missed all my favourites. There's a handful that I've missed. This is, this is the weird thing. This is one of my favourite movies, and the next one we're doing from the 2000s is also one of my favourite movies. So Connor's in this weird place where if he comes in with a negative opinion, I'm going to shoot him down. <laughs> you know what was interesting? I saw a, a friend of mine watched the next next movie the other right. day. Yeah. And uh, uh, it was just to me, I, I tend to have very similar taste to him on oh, a lot dear. of things. Oh, not dear. always. Not always. But a lot of the time, and he gave it a seven. Oh, I was like, oh, okay. That's he rough. is not going to be happy with that if I only give it a seven. Oh no, you! Oh, you better not give that a seven. <laughs> I will be. Oh, you won't. I'll think you will. I think you'll like it. Based on a couple of things, I think you'll like it. But we'll see. Okay. But we'll see. Um, so are we rating this one then? Yeah. We're rating. Yeah, we're rating this one because I want to say that I unashamedly give it a ten. I love this freaking movie. It is. Uh, I can't remember where I put it when I did like my top. 200 movies of all time but it was in the top 20 it was high up i right, love this okay. thing it's like every time i watch it i'm just like what watching what everything's doing on screen and i'm it goes in so quickly because it's just it's perfectly paced and i, I love it it's it is the it is the serious kind of arty version of a superhero story which i love anyway i love superhero stories and movies but this takes it and puts it in this own way yeah. that just it speaks to me to have a version of that in this style, and I unashamedly love it. I'm not saying it's necessarily perfect. I mean, we we could we picked out a few flaws just in that yeah, anyway, didn't we? Picked out a few flaws. I mean, if, if I'm going to pick out a flaw, watching it this time, I thought to myself, maybe there could have been something in the, the final fight that just sort of proved how industry. Like maybe if the, the guy in the orange actually fired a gun at him. Before yeah, because all he did him. was he went back into the wall and the wall, but it looked like a thin wall anyway. It was just like plasterboard yeah. by the look of it. Yeah, like it would just been cool that if to just to sort of like pay off the fact that the kid almost shot him earlier, that if he actually shot him and he didn't, yeah, you know, even, even like a, a knife, anything, because it didn't. Like the guy didn't even land a hit. Really, he pushed him out the window. Yeah, but then after that, when he comes back in, when he has, you know, he's in full hero mode. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I love that once he grabs him, it's over because he he's never going to break free of him because he that's his power. But yeah, uh, just a moment before that where he actually like maybe it, instead of pushing him off the balcony, if he shot him off the balcony, mm. and he got up and he was he was fine from the bullet. The bullet. Just... I wouldn't mind it even if when he has got hold of him, like if he had a knife in his because his arms are mm. still free. He's struggling. He's trying to pull his yeah, arms yeah. off him. If he had a knife and like tried to stab him or something, and it just didn't work. That would maybe be the one thing I'd do to just. Just to give it a bit more of a spectacle in the last scene. Uh, to really add to the fact yeah. that he is indestructible. Because he doesn't necessarily... Like, we know he is, so we treat it as that. But he oh, doesn't play I mean, like he is. The, the train thing's huge. Like, that crushes yeah, yeah. every single one else on the... Right. But in that final sequence, it's only because that we know that he is, that we that it's shown. Otherwise, you would never... If you oh. didn't know he was indestructible, when you just watched that scene, I don't think you'd yeah. assume that he was. I'm just thinking back to that scene where the doctor tells him, like, ask him the questions. Again, it's just an example of the scenes building perfectly. Where he just yeah. keep, he asks these questions, like, uh, did you leave your seat at any time? And he's like, no. Uh, are you sure you were in the passenger car? There's this really nice low drone in the background. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the machinery that they're using to, in, the, yeah. in the hospital. It's like just the, the hum yeah. of the, the stuff. Yeah, it's really, really good. Oh, it's good. Man. I'm in love with the movie. I, I can't praise it enough. Uh, right, so you, you give it a 10. I give it a 10, yeah. Right. And 10 okay. does not mean perfect. I, I don't think I've ever given a 10 on one of these reviews. I think I did... When we did Halloween on streams, I gave it a 10. But I, I just want to point out what a 10 means, just in case people think I'm actually saying it's the perfect thing ever. To me, I rate in, you know, out of 10, right? Sometimes I do a 0.5, just because I need to go in between two numbers. But 
really to me, you, there's no such thing as actually as a perfect movie. To me, a 10 just means that it's like a 9 or a 9.5 again, but it's got a personal... For whatever reason, I have latched onto it, and it just means something to me. It means something special to me. That's what a 10 yeah. means to me. I just want to point that out. I think that's important. But there okay. you go. What, what, what are you hitting with? So I'm thinking, because obviously when I came out of this earlier when I watched it, I, I was thinking about an 8. But my enthusiasm as... Well, just the discussion in general. Yeah. I, I think at least an 8.5. I'm debating. See, it's definitely not a 10 for me because I don't have that, oh, wow. Like, well, I didn't come out of it like yeah, that, which yeah, I have yeah. to to give it a 10. And maybe over time, I could, it could become a 10. Like I, I could say, get it, that it, feeling it, later. It took a couple of viewings for me before I yeah. felt that way. Like, things can change. I think I'm going to settle on a, an 8.5. All right. I can, I can live with that. Uh, but we'll be doing a sequel to this review in a year where Connor's going to have to come in and explain if he doesn't Just give, it, give, a, give a quick update. <laughs> is, it, is it still an 8.5? And if you say yes, I am going to question you repeatedly. Interrogation. Okay. Interrogation. Uh, it's funny, actually, I wasn't sure how this review was going to go in terms of this, the structure, because typically if it's something we've both not seen, we'll go through the plot. And we kind of did that here, but we, we haven't done that necessarily for some of the other like classics where... You know, we've seen them before, so it feels weird to go through the plot in that same way. Uh, but we did it here anyway, and I think it's because I wanted to talk about the filmmaking and a lot of the the scenes and the, the, the motifs uh, yeah. that we've been using and stuff. The you know the, the glass, the reflections, the, the upside-down camera, like stuff that kept coming back yeah. that was building up a, a style, uh, which I, I love a lot. So, no, if, if you can't tell, uh, I unashamedly love uh, Unbreakable. I thought it was pretty great. So, like, I just didn't love it. You will learn the way. <laughs> Maybe one day. We'll have to do this every year until I, until I finally <laughs> go, okay, fine, it's a 10, damn it. Unbreakable Review 2017. Unbreakable Review 2018. Unbreakable Review 2019. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, so that's uh, that's Unbreakable. So thank you very much for watching. Let us know what you think of Unbreakable in the comments below. Uh curious to hear you probably don't love it as much as i do that's okay but uh feel free to come join the facebook group submit your list put unbreakable really low down just to piss off peter so it can't make a, a really high spot but seriously come and submit your list anyway it's fun yeah everyone submits a list and the, the and much to my dismay they always uh they always leave it to the last minute because they want to fit in more viewings of films I've not seen before. So I, I end up with all the lists to calculate all the totals from at the last minute, which is why I always make the deadline a day before the actual thing, the countdown. Yeah. Gives them a good, like, 16 hours to, to actually do the <laughs> do the computing of it. Yeah, the math. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, it's good fun if anyone wants to uh, join in and complain. Because it, sometimes it does lead to some pretty weird results. Because it's kind of like some people have not seen this, but because, like, there'll be a movie that everyone kind of likes, but it'll get really high because everyone's seen it, so everyone puts it somewhere. Whereas the stuff that someone loves gets lower because some people have not seen it, and you end up with these really weird, wacky results. But that's why, theoretically, when we repeat one, because we've done the 2000s before, we had the 2000s about two and a half years ago. Theoretically, each time, it should be a better list because people have used the months every time yeah. to try and catch it gets, up on movies. It gets competitive, though, and very heated at times. There's some political-style campaigning uh, that takes place. Yes, that's true. Um, so, yeah, uh, there you go. That's, that's plugging for the Facebook group done. Uh, let us know what you thought of the movie in the comments. 
I can subscribe, it helps out a lot. Thank you very much. Um, and feel free to give us opinions on the structure of the review. Like, is it weird to go through the plot when, like, I've already seen the movie? Does it feel a bit different from the, the newest... Not new movies, but stuff that I've not seen before. Uh, would it be better to just, like, tackle acting and then tackle cinematography and then tackle, you know, that sort of thing? Uh, but, no. But give us your thoughts, feelings, all that kind of thing. And, yeah, thank you very much for watching. And go watch Unbreakable again, if you've not seen it in a while. I think you'll find. Don't make your face. You're making that face because I did the same face to you earlier, off camera. <laughs> That's exactly why I made that face. Because you said, you can call me a dick, and then I just made that face at you. Yeah. And that was payback for it. Well, S- screw you, you ginger menace. Thanks for watching, guys. We'll see you next time.